welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. Thank you for uh, joining us for this episode. Today we'll be talking about Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Uh, we first, though, want to remind you that we are sponsored by ProgressiveChristianity.org, a fantastic place to go and get all your progressive Christian needs. You'll find uh, places to network, places where you can find churches that you might be interested mm -hmm. in, and a ton of information about progressive Christianity, the, uh, theologically and otherwise. Uh, but more importantly, I want to welcome my good buddy, Caleb. How are you doing today, Caleb? I'm great. It's good to be with you today, Mark. I am excited that you're here. Listen, we need to let folks know that, uh, as always, this is not a spoiler-free zone. Indeed, it is a spoiler-full zone. So uh, mm. if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to be spoiled, bookmark this uh, podcast and come back to it in a little bit because we will be spoiling it, I promise you. And also, make sure you follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can find the Moonshine Jesus Show there. And be sure to sign up and download our podcast and all the great places you get your podcast. So I am very curious where you decided to go today, Caleb, with your drink for Shazam. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right up front, I cheated, but I'm going to let you go. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, there are a lot of good options for Shazam. And mm. I thought about going somewhere with Skittles because of the ah, Skittles scene, uh -huh. you know, uh, the, the, the rainbow Rosia for the unicorns. Uh -huh. But that I would have been a great job. No? It would have okay. been. It, yeah. it took a lot of preparation that I did not do. I and get so, that. I <laughs> you have to infuse <laughs> vodka and all of this. Oh, stuff. yeah. No, no, no. Time to do it. Um, I just saw the movie last night. So I went with the Shazam <coughs> cocktail. And there were lots of fun cocktails online. And Shazam is an acronym. And so uh, there are ingredients in this drink that are all a part of the acronym. So ah. the Shazam cocktail has the wisdom of Solomon S, right? Yeah, and and right. that's lime juice uh, because okay. the sour taste awakens you and makes you sharp. Oh, this okay? interesting. All right. All right. The I'll strength of Hercules, vodka. Mm -hmm. It's it's uh, yeah, strength. It's a hearty drink. Yeah. Yes. Right. And then the stamina of Atlas. I've got tequila because mm. that. Uh, is associated with with stamina uh, right it's trying to stay awake at a party things like that uh the strength of the power of zeus now the mm. recipe called for absinthe but i know you <laughs> you've got absinthe at your house mark i didn't I, I have did. any yeah. so i i used i used something strong though i used 115 proof uh bourbon to substitute nice. there nice. and then yeah. Uh, the courage of Achilles, mezcal. Uh, usually wow. takes uh, some some courage to try mezcal after yeah. you've, you've uh, sniffed that. And then the speed of Mercury, simple syrup, because your taste buds pick up the sweet scent uh, very quickly. And then a splash of cranberry juice to represent Billy Batson, who nice. uh, manifests all these powers. So here it is. I've already drank you, some of yeah. this. <laughs> I love it. And, and uh, I, I, I say Shazam when I do that <laughs> strong and good. Okay, I love it. so how about you? What, what are you uh, drinking today, Mark? I can't I, see what you're drinking. I, it is, well, we are recording on my birthday. And on my birthday, I drink one of two things. I drink a lot of water mm -hmm. and I drink bourbon. And so today, uh -huh. uh -huh. I didn't even try to make it match Shazam. <laughs> I went out, I bought myself a special bottle of uh, I.W. Harper bourbon. Uh, it's mm -hmm. Cabernet aged, and uh, it's from their reserve collection. So 
I'm just treating myself on my birthday is all I'm really doing. So happy Here. birthday. Hey, Mark. I appreciate it. Cheers, Cheers to you, sir. Uh, and yeah, it's my birthday. So go easy on me today. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no promises. And Jesus. to the moonshine jesus show today we are both celebrating mark sandlin's birthday and are talking about shazam fury of the gods so this takes place two years after thaddeus savannah's defeat and we see the shazam family using their powers fighting evil coming to terms with both being teenagers and superheroes and adult bodies and as they're trying to discover that uh, aspera calypso and anthea the daughters of the titan atlas steal the wizard's broken staff that billy batson had carelessly left behind and they use that staff to go into the mortal world to imprison the wizard and to take over the mortal world and mm. make them pay for the things Indeed. that they have done to the Indeed. gods. So yes. here, here's the thing. Shazam, I think, was has been one of the bright spots in the DC Extended Universe's uh, mm-hmm. collection of terrible films over the past 10 years or so. <laughs> right. And uh, the first one was very well received. Shazam! Mm-hmm. Fury of the Gods has not been so well received. Its uh, <laughs> its perception has been very divisive, in fact. So yeah. it's got a 53% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes yeah. with the critics. But the but. audience has given it an mm-hmm. 88% fresh rating. So here's my question, Mark. I want to know who's right. Is it the critics or is it the audience? They're wrong, both of them. Who's right? Mark Mark Sandman? Mark Sandman. I think it's somewhere in between the two. You know, it has its moment. It is nowhere. It it has we just need to say up front, at least in my opinion, it is not as good as the first Shazam movie, which I thought was a lot of fun. uh, and it was engaging watching him learn how to as a child in this man superman body figuring out what what that means and and, you know using it to his advantage at times that was a lot of fun i just felt like while there were a lot of good things about this movie uh it was very funny uh some of the the fight scenes were really interesting and some of the themes that they cover were good things to be talking about um i just felt like it never really found its ground like it just was it felt like throwing darts at a dartboard, trying to see what just so, one of these are going to stick and, and it'll be great when it does. And it just, I don't know. I, I never felt like it found its footing. It, what did you, so for me, I would give this like a, a 70, maybe a, a 72, 70. maybe a 72. 
72. Yep. So I found myself agreeing with the audience. I had a good time watching it. I thought it was fun. And some of the complaints I've seen about it has been that it hasn't really dealt with as much uh, of like the the teenage uh, dealing with superpowers and it hasn't Mm -hmm. dealt with them as much in their in their kind of usual bodies dealing with things. And uh, I think that's true. I think there there is some of that in there. And uh, I think they did rely a little bit too heavily on CGI fight scenes and things like that. But <laughs> right. I think it was a better movie than, say, Ant-Man uh, that we watched a few weeks ago. Quantum that Mania. was all CGI. And uh, um, I, I think it had hmm. less of a story. I think there was, I think there was a, a solid story here. And I thought it was a lot of fun. And I think that that's important uh, for comic books, movies right now, especially in right. the DC uh, extended universe, to have some fun. But here's, here's one thing I wonder about, Mark. I, I wonder hmm. if part of the problem uh, was the villains. Uh, do you think uh, do you think the villains had anything to do with the poor mm. reception? Do, were the were the villains too generic? I mean, just uh, uh, right. kind of, uh, the daughters of Atlas. Uh, I, for instance, I've seen speculation that maybe if they had gone with Mister Mind, the little mm. worm that we we saw at the end credit scene post credit Mm -hmm. scene in the first one that it might have been a more interesting and quirky movie what do you think is it the is it the villains that it's certainly to be desired it would have helped if mr mine would have been the main villain because sort of what he's known for and what they hinted at on the in the uh first movie was that he was going to put together his i don't remember what he calls it but the 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 monster monster force or whatever whatever it's called i'm blanking (laughs) this is one of the places where my comic book uh knowledge is just not there because i didn't read a whole bunch of these so i mean in fairness it was it was a different comic it wasn't originally dc and like it's and these villains are a little obscure yeah yeah so but it it certainly would have been more interesting I mean, I think per, Helen Mirren was incredible in her role. I don't know that they handled that character particularly well. Like, they each had three, each had different types of powers, but they didn't really do any setup to kind of explain what the power really was. So you, you were kind of guessing it, and it didn't feel quite as menacing just because you didn't really know what it was. Um, Lucy Lou, I always like everything she does, but in this one, she just... Had it was almost like she had uh, one trait. It was just this one single look, this one single attitude, and it was the entire movie. There was hardly any variation in it at all. Uh, Athena would be Athea would be the one, or Anthea would be the one that I think was interesting. She was a very interesting character. If they could have made all the other two uh, gave given them as much um, depth. I think it could have been better, but it's it certainly was part of the weakness. I for sure. I, I'm yeah, taking it that you did. Yeah, I yeah, I think that I think they were generic, and I think these are fantastic actresses, right? I, I mean, yeah. we've got oh, Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu and Rachel Ziegler. I mean, right. these are all incredible, all people who have incredible potential that uh, that yeah, they underutilized and underdeveloped. But um, one thing that I did really like, Mark, yeah, was was all the Easter eggs of yeah. different uh, different DC comics in here. Did you have a favorite Easter my, egg? My you? favorite Easter egg mm-hmm. was uh, 
the person who delivered the line and called Shazam Captain Marvel. Uh -huh. that was, yes, that was Michael Gray, and he. I watched some of the television series in the seventies mm -hmm. uh, where he played Billy on that show, and I loved that they had him in the red shirt with the yellow collar on it, and it, he gets to say Captain Marvel because this is this is lawsuit history here where they don't right. they don't get to actually ever call him Captain Marvel, like they can't give him that as his name, but they actually checked with with. Uh, DC and DC was like, yeah, you can you can say the say it like that suggestion, no problem. And that was so much fun. How about you? What was your favorite? Yeah, I uh, it, that was so fun to see uh, Captain Marvel and uh, uh, and to have that suggested as a name. Uh, Captain mm -hmm. Sparkle Fingers is my favorite suggested <laughs> name that they. Uh, that, that was a good one. That uh, was a very good. Yeah. One. So, but but for those who don't know, of course, Captain Marvel is the original name of the character, right? So yeah. my favorite Easter egg is. Um, Diedrich Bader, uh, who voices Batman in Batman yeah. the Brave and the Bold. Yeah. Uh, Which is going to be one, one of the movies coming up. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and so uh, I, I liked getting to see him as one of the teachers who yeah. Lucy Liu's character then convinces to jump off the, right. side of the school. Yeah. Um, but and, it was and, it was fun uh, to see him. And they talk about that. Uh, for, always, always forget that humans pop like grapes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa! <laughs> but that was what also one of the lighthearted lines that made it kind of fun. Yeah. So, okay, Mark, I, I've got a question. I've got to ask you because uh -oh. we're we're in this time. This is the last movie of the DCEU as it is before the Flash comes out over the summer. That's going to do a soft reboot of the DC Comics movies, right? In terms right. of DC Extended Universe mm -hmm. to the DC Universe. Um, there's been talk about Zachary Levi uh, yep. perhaps staying in the role of Shazam, but uh -huh. in large part, uh, James Gunn said it was going to depend on the reception of this movie. Do you yeah. think that Shazam is going to make the cut in this uh, <sighs> new DC universe, or you think he's going to be on the chopping All right. Well, hold on. First of all, I need to scratch off one of my questions for the Make Me Look Stupid segment. You did it again, man. I did it. I, I, I got three ready, though. So you got two more you got to knock off before you get them all. Uh, it's been I, weeks I, since I've been able to guess correctly. <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel like... I feel like we are going to see him, and I, I think, I don't think, if it was based just on how successful they are, we would not see see him because it's not done what they wanted at the box office. Uh, and honestly, I think this show proved that the Shazam story as an origin story makes great movie making. The moment that you shift it into something else and you're not doing an origin story and and that, it's just kind of, uh, it's eh, you know, it's just. Bleh. It doesn't have everything. So, but here's the thing: at the end of both of them, they put Mr. Mind in it. Mm -hmm. That and they have invested in, and he's a you know he, he is a, 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 a psychic bug. And then in Peacemaker, which Gunn did, who is now the new head, we have psychic butterflies. Makes me wonder if they might be of the same mm -hmm. universe or of the yeah. same planet or even the same species. I don't know. It just feels like there's some connective tissue there. He's already said Peacemaker will continue on. Mm -hmm. I I think I think that Mr. Mind is the reason why Shazam is still going to be around because you need Shazam 
for Mr. Mind to be the bad guy because that's the only comic he was ever read that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Is it is it gonna is it is it gonna be, still be around? I I think I think Zachary Levi's character is still gonna be around. I'm not sure we're gonna see the rest of the Shazam family. Not the Shazam fam? Uh, yeah, I I don't know, which is uh, weird, right? Because that was right. one of the whole points of the, the whole point. Is... <laughs> it was even, it was even sort of the, one of the big points of the first movie. It's like him not having a family and finally finding a family, and then he makes his family the Shazam fan. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it would be weird, be the, but you might be right. And that's also something that makes it kind of fun is to see yeah. all the kids interacting with each other and the adult actors playing like their kids interacting with each other. I think that's fun and mm -hmm. it's enjoyable. But I think the post credit scene or the, I guess the mid credit scene where yeah. uh, where we've got Shazam approached by characters in Peacemaker, I yeah. think signals that his character is going to continue to uh, to be in this uh, DC universe. And I think that's a good decision. I, yeah. I think that if he's utilized correctly, he can, he's one of the few really successful characters yeah. that we've seen over the past decade. I think it mm -hmm. would be a shame to see that washed away uh, just because, uh, because we're doing something new. And I, yeah. I think if you're going to choose a character, that's the one I would choose. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, there's been a lot of upset about, uh, Henry Cavill not being Superman and all. I don't mm -hmm. think that's a mistake. Uh, I think yeah, I think I holding on to Zachary Levi is is the best decision. I have got yeah. so many things that I want to geek out about, Mark. <laughs> I hear you, man. This was fun. There's it a lot fun. to geek out about. But, you know, even though this is kind of a, a fun kid-based superhero movie, there's a lot theologically and politically here, too. So why don't we Absolutely. take a break? Why don't we listen to the drop and let's come back and talk about theology and politics. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us for our Theopolitico segment. So, I, Caleb, right off the bat, I'm gonna ask, I want to jump to one moment in the movie to make sure that we talk about this before we jump into a few other things. Mm -hmm. uh, the moment is when uh, they're running through as heroes through their parents' bedroom, and mm -hmm. it's a lot of chaos. And there's just some. I think they say just say it or something like that. And Pedro tells his family that he's gay, and everyone says. Yeah, we we knew, and then they just keep moving on. Yeah, is that what it should really be like when people share with their friends and their family? Hey, I'm good. Or should it be more? Uh, do, should it be more of turning to them and embracing them and making sure they know that that how much you care about them no matter what? Uh, or should it be something even completely different? Um, I just it was an interesting way of of uh, them showing this. Uh, uh, which, because it's a very big moment in a person's life, mm -hmm. and to see how they handled it, I thought was was interesting. And so, my question is: Is that how it how it really should be? Uh, so that struck me as an interesting moment too, because it's in the midst of this 
this very uh the, this like tense scene they're being traced by the chased by this dragon and right. they've got just a couple of seconds to tell the parents that they got to get out of the house and and you know they just found out they're superheroes and in the midst of that Pedro says I'm gay and nobody cares and I mean I suppose in the I, I feel like what they were trying to do was say, hey, this shouldn't be a big deal. You are who you are, and mm -hmm. people should just accept it and, and go through it. And I, I understand that. I felt like it was also maybe um, a way of them just plugging a gay character in without actually exploring anything about what that means or any kind of development. Um, yeah. So I actually, I felt like that was unfortunate uh, mm -hmm. or at least that's the way it hit me is I, I didn't feel like we actually got to explore what any of that meant. It just kind of felt like a throwaway line, which um, yeah. I, I, I felt was kind of cheapened the character a little bit and cheapened mm. the sexuality of the character a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think that, um hey maybe in an ideal world you just say i'm gay and people say okay well fine you know great yeah. but that's not the world that we live right. in where even if your family is totally cool with with which you know there are families where it's not a big deal or if you come out as gender non-binary or trans yep. or whatever then yep. people want to walk that journey with you but i think there needs to be a stopping and a moment of of recognizing um, the vulnerability of admitting that. I think there mm -hmm. needs to be a promise of love and support uh, because even if it's not a big deal in the family, it's going to be a big deal out in the world. And yeah. uh, I think churches need to do that too. Um, because I mean, churches can just say, oh yeah, we love you. But I think doing like, uh, for instance, if someone is trans, doing like a renaming ceremony and stuff like that is powerful to just stop for a moment, not just blow and go by the biggest moments of life and say, Absolutely. we see you, we hear what you're saying, and we think it's it's sacred and you are important. Uh, so we're not going to just yeah. dismiss it. That was yeah. my read. I, I wasn't real happy with the way that was presented. Yeah. What do you I, think, Mark? When, when I first saw it, I my, my first instinct was, oh, okay. That's actually, I kind of like the fact that it's like, yeah, you're you're our brother. We're we're fine. You know, no worries. We're going on. Yeah. But then as as I reflected on it, I realized, you know, it should be how it should be is I'm going out with 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 Jack tomorrow, and you go, oh, okay, well, you and Jack go have fun. Um, but the fact that he feels like he has to announce it to his family tells you everything you need to know about the world that they understand him to be in. Hmm. That it is a world where it's something that he's not sure how safe he feels, even though he has this incredibly supportive family. But he has been waiting until and this was the moment he's willing to say something. If you if you put the character in that world where where it's necessary to come out, then this was a horrible way of handling. Uh, it's almost dismissive of him, and 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 he. I want to imagine that once everything, once they saved the world, that the family got back around him and said, you know, we're here for you, we love you, uh, you know, the world's going to treat you at times in a really horrible way, but know that your fans always got your back, and yeah, that's what needed to happen. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was a weird place to put that, um, because. Even if they wanted to do that, that they couldn't have done it then. But it it was pretty clear, frankly, the way that they handled it, that they weren't going to do that. They just all kind of like, oh, okay, and move on. And I, 
that that I'm with you. It, it felt it felt wrong. I, I felt like it it definitely um it, it his sexuality wasn't being taken seriously considering the society they clearly are putting those characters into. So I, I, I wasn't thrilled with that. And I love what you had to say about the, the what the church's role in that should be, which leads me into what I'd like to do yeah. now. Mm. I want to take some of the themes that, like like I said at the beginning, it felt, felt a lot like they were just throwing darts to see what was going to uh -huh. stick. There are yeah. several really important themes that get sort of touched on and then sort of not. Uh, what I'd like to do is, since it's my birthday. I'm imagining darts sticking for just a second <laughs> on the dartboard. And they go falling <laughs> off. They kind of land. I like stuck. it. I like it. So uh, since it's my birthday, I'm gonna. I want you to do all the all the hard work for the rest of this. Okay, this segment. it's only fair. Yeah. I want you to do all the hard work. So <laughs> I'm gonna go through the the list of some of not a big list, but four or five um, themes from the movie, and I'd like you hear your thoughts on what role the Christian church should play in these things, or if they should at all, in terms of helping people with it, and and, okay. and maybe right. and maybe even some thoughts on how. So one of the first okay. big ones, yeah. You're going to give them to me all at once, and then I'm no, going to go through. No, I will not. I'll okay. give them to you one, one at a time. time. And, and you know, if we don't get through the list, yeah. if we don't get through the list, it's okay. I'm just really curious to hear where you fall on some of these. So okay. the first one is, and this was a really big one uh, that they did kind of run throughout the movie and, and did some solutions to, is the fear of abandonment. Uh, I think it even um, I think it even starts with with him saying I'm I'm too stupid to have these powers or something like that and that he's just a, and he from that moment on he's just worried that no one's going to believe or want him or keep him that he's aging out of his family there is this very clear it's part of the, um, the what what do they say all all or none or mm -hmm. what was you know, yeah, 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 all or none, all, yeah, all or none, something like that, and it, and it was part of his way of trying to keep the family together and not be mm -hmm. abandoned and going off on her own. So, take fear of abandonment. What role, if any, should the church have in helping folks uh, who find themselves in that type of uh, a situation? Yeah, man. I also should say that I think this is the main theme of the movie, and yeah. uh, it it runs the through it the clearest, and yeah. I think they set it up nicely. But I don't feel like we really tie a uh, little no. bow on that. They yeah. they kind of tie it lo loosely, like, well, okay, look, yeah. he doesn't have fear of abandonment anymore. But they only do a tiny bit of work to let us know maybe why. You know, there's yeah, that moment. There's that moment on the top of the, the parking garage or wherever it was yeah. where mom says, "Can you turn back into my Billy?" I, I need yeah. I need a, a moment with my Billy, right. and that moment did feel like well, uh, but but it's not that simple, is it? No, it's not. And uh, so so yeah, I so I kind of had a problem with the main theme of it, even though I liked the movie. I, I feel like we didn't really get a, a clean resolution to this. In terms of what the church should do, though. Um, I think there are a lot of folks who have abandonment issues, especially yeah. when we're talking about people who often come to progressive church communities like yours and mine, Mark, mm -hmm. is that, you know, there are so many people who um, who 
have been abandoned by their family or who have been disowned by their family, especially people in the LGBTQIA uh, plus community who, you know, have been pushed aside from their family or told that they're not worthy uh, by their family. And um, I think the church can play a role in helping people to have a family of choice whenever they've lost yeah. their family of origin. And, you know, this goes both ways. I, I, I did a funeral yesterday for someone who's kind of was abandoned by their children when they mm. came out. And so wow. I think that, you know, that churches can be a way for, for people to come together as a family and to find connection um, in, in the midst of places that have disowned them. And so I think yeah. when churches are at their best, and that's an important qualifier because right. churches are not often at their best. But I think no church, no church are, is always at its best. <laughs> well, that's true too. <laughs> churches are often not at their best and no church is always at their best. Those exactly. Are both important <laughs> distinction. They but are. When the church is at its best, um, and it surrounds people with love and care and compassion, then uh, then it can be really powerful for people yeah. to have uh, a source of family and support. Um, so that's uh, in an ideal world, what, what what role I would love for the church to play. How about you? Yeah, do, yeah you no, I, I wanted you to do the heavy lifting, but I'm, I will say uh, that, I, that I am in complete agreement that that is... If, if anything, it's exactly what the church is built for, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. is to be this safe space for people, yeah. particularly folks who may may have felt abandoned in their life and still worry about where where they'll be accepted and where they won't be. Uh, the moment you walk through a door of a church, there should never be any doubt in anyone's mind that you are welcomed here and you will be loved here and you'll be fully accepted uh, for who you are as we grow together spiritually as a community and as individuals. I think that it's essential. Uh, a matter of fact, if you walk into a church and have any doubt that that feels, feeling is there, if, you, if you're if you not sure it's there, turn around and go back out the doors um, because it's not going to get better. <laughs> nope. It won't get better from there. It, you're going to get hurt and we don't want to see that's, that happen. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So, yeah, they're supposed to put their best foot forward, right? It doesn't get right. anywhere. So I realize I'm doing the rest of the, the most of the heavy lifting here, Mark. So for the rest of them, you can just say, I agree. You're right. Uh, You're just, 100% I, right. Look, I, I think we got time for one more. And okay, it's, good. And, okay. And yeah, you have like five, Mark, and here I am. I do, but we're, on. Tell me, here, what's the next one? It's all right. uh, uh, we're going to do a related one. Um, okay. Because it's related to one of the big bads in the movie, the giant dragon that emanates fear from its body. And there is this sub theme of importance of not just overcoming a fear of abandonment, but just overcoming your fear in general. So again, uh, from the standpoint of the Christian church, what role does the church have or should it have in helping folks uh, understanding their fears and overcoming their fears? So I I think we're really good at trying to the Christian church is really good at trying to make people fearful of something. Be scared of those people. Be scared of going to hell. Be scared. So, but what should the role actually be? That's exactly where I was going to go with this because I was going to say that the church is is actually a tool for fear most Mm. of the time. The church is the dragon trying to keep people living in fear so that they behave in a way that uh, church leaders have decided is is the way appropriate way to behave. So, but that's bad theology, and that's not Christian practice because uh, because good Christian practice is about over 
overcoming our fears uh, uh, of life and helping us to make meaning and sense of the world. And so I think that, uh, again, if a church community is doing what it ought to be doing, it ought to be a place, not that makes us fearful, Mark, but a, a place that uh, surrounds us with such authenticity that we feel like we can bring our fears mm. about life, about uh, about God, about the yeah. world, a place where we can really share those and dig into those and figure out what those what all of that's about, unpack bad theology and, and all yeah. of that as we try to make uh, make the world a little less scary of a place, <laughs> or at least we come up with strategies then with things that are scary, not just in our lives, but in the world, uh, like say evils, like say fascism, like mm-hmm. how it is that we then as Christian community can combat those. Uh, in a a, a real way. Uh, So anyway, I wish the word, I I wish the church would make it, would be a little less fearful, Mark. Yeah, me too, uh, man. Wouldn't be the dragon. And and, you know, there are the churches out there that are working hard to to put a different foot forward and work against and and even, even sort of call out the churches that are, that are inciting fear rather than inciting love, which is kind of the counterbalance that we really need there. Mm. So, we could go through that. We've got so many more that we could be talking about. Like I said, there were a bunch of darks they threw. Uh, but those are kind of some of the big ones that I wanted to touch on because of the way that related to what the church should be and what the mm-hmm. church unfortunately can be right at times right now. So, uh, but we're out of time for this segment. So the good news though, is that we get to go to our favorite segment, the make me look stupid segment where we commence to trying to make our co-host look stupid. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're in our final segment, the Make Me Look Stupid segment, where we ask each other questions to try to make each other look stupid. I have already stolen one of Mark's <laughs> questions, and I feel very proud about yeah, having done that. You're very good at it, man. You're very good at <laughs> Thank it. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. You know, I tried, but I also know that Mark has multiple other questions. Uh, but before you can ask them, I'm going to ask mine. And... Uh, this is a question that I was wondering about, Mark. Why is it that this golden apple, the seed, yeah. that when it's planted in the God realm is a thing of beauty, but whenever it's planted in the human realm, spawns all of these monsters? What's so different about the God realm and the human realm that makes the tree do such vastly different things? <laughs> and what? does yeah. that say anything about our theology? <laughs> well, I'm I, I'm not going to be able to answer the second part because I have a very simple answer for the first part. The reason it's different is because it's not supposed to be here. You're putting it where it doesn't belong, so it spawns in negative, bad ways. It it is designed to grow that tree in the realm of the gods, and so when it doesn't get the nourishment of that particular space and place. That's what happens. So I, I am, I'm going to have to, to you know, uh, take a rain check on the theological part because I, I think yeah. it's that I think it's that simple of an answer. What do you think, though? 
So I'm going to answer. So I'm going to use your answer to to come up to with a theological awesome. answer. Yeah, love yeah, yeah, yeah. We love it. So because because uh, I think your because I think your answer is right about about why it is that it thrives in one area and doesn't in the other. And I I think that theologically what that tells us is that there are some places where we can thrive. Uh, there, mm-hmm. there are some places, there are some communities, there are right. some places where we're supposed to be that allow us to thrive. And then there are places that like suck us dry, like suck out all our energy, turn us into people who we really aren't. Like to- mm-hmm. that can be like toxic work environments, that can be toxic relationships, Absolutely. all of those kinds of things, and uh, can make us into like this tree that's spawning monsters. <laughs> and so I like, I like this, Mark, because uh, yeah. I think this is theologically rich. That if we're if we do some discernment about where we're supposed to be, that that yep. can really help us to thrive. I love it. So great answer. Hey, look, teamwork, Mark. Hey, boom. High five you. Virtual high five. Virtual high five. (laughs) Very good. All right. So my turn. My turn. uh, So one of the themes of this movie, I would argue, is that it isn't your your superpowers that really makes you uh, brave or a a hero, Mm -hmm. that it's who you are as a person. Yeah. And if that is true, why do all the kids when they say Shazam, turn into super fit adult heroes. If who they are is what makes them a hero, why, why are they all super fit? So we, 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 you know, we lose a crutch, uh, the, the um, um, kid who's overweight, and all of a sudden is this fit superhero, like somehow that wasn't going to work. And none of them remain kids. And let's face it, we got comic books after comic books of kid heroes. But... Please help me understand why that was a theme of the movie when when they turn into superheroes, they turn into these super fit adult heroes. Because it's fun for kids to envision themselves <laughs> as adults. I, I mean, I think this is one of the problematic things, actually, about it. Because it, it says that it's supposed to be uh, realizing your fullest potential. I think mm. in the first movie is what they said happens whenever you become the superhero mm-hmm. Shazam. Right? Mm-hmm. Or a part of the Shazam family. Right. You're living into the greatest potential that you could have. But that does assume that like the greatest potential is like uh, complete physical fitness. That, uh, yeah. that, uh, and, and, that fully, and fully able-bodied. You know, it's, it's Fully it's, able-bodied, right? And so, adult. So and an adult. Because a kid couldn't do this. Right, and so I think like the Gospels tell us something different about mm, what yeah. kids have to say <laughs> about something. that. You know, uh, so uh, so I think that's actually kind of problematic. It's also mm. like people in their thirties, uh, you know, forty, early forties, late thirties, yeah. early forties. Like that's yeah. the ideal ideal time of life. It's not like right. you know, you're when you've gained the most wisdom. It's uh, and I mean, in part, it's because that's the time that's fun to see people go and battle, you know, battle <laughs> each other and all. But I think Although, if you're Helen Mirren talking, was great in her battle scene. That well, was so... Helen Mirren is is just like Lucy Liu. I mean, right. is she just like Incredible. getting younger? That's <laughs> weird, right? <laughs> <It's> crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that's one of the things that's problematic, actually. Yeah. About, like if we're if 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 they're actually living into the, their full potential, they're not all people who are in their 30s and able to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think? No, I, I find it incredibly uh, problematic. And and when that started I, in the first movie, I, I already was kind of like, well, this 
I know that's based on the comics and the comics were written, I think in the forties maybe. And that's kind of like a mindset and they, there hadn't been enough work done in a public way that more people were aware of what you were doing when you were doing things like that. But we switched stuff from comics all the time. And so that bothered me from the very beginning. And the, then when in this movie, they made it such an important part uh, of, of particularly Freddie's de character development mm -hmm. uh, that mm -hmm. what really makes you a, a, a hero is what's inside who you are and not your superpowers. Um, I really felt like that they were miss that they were missing the reality of what they were already doing. That they, they're making this claim, but they're creating superheroes that are very opposite of what the claim is. And, and I, I do find it problematic. Um, and, and even if we just get Shazam himself and, and not the Shazam fam from then on, it's still going to be problematic um, because you yeah. you know somehow he has to be bigger and stronger and older to to have any ability to really be a superhero and and that's just not real yeah i i think you're right uh, mark uh you know what uh this is against the rules but you know what we make the rules and so <laughs> i i'm gonna break them really quick because i i've got to know I've just got to pick your brain here before uh -oh. we tell people what we're doing next week. Okay. All right. Um, so Shazam has underperformed at the box office mm -hmm. uh, from from what they expected it to. And we we've seen some of that here lately. Yeah. Is the market too oversaturated with superhero movies right now? Uh, to or do you think our our interest in that is waning after about twenty ish years of seeing superhero movie after superhero yeah. movie? I think it's a combination of, yeah, it is oversaturated and there's just so much out there. Uh, we, we get to a point of having to just pick and choose. I'm not going to go see them all. So which ones am I going to, am I, which ones are, will I go see? But I also think that because it's become such a money maker, um, they've become very formulaic and mm -hmm. that's just not interesting. I don't care if it's a superhero yeah. movie or not. If you make a formulaic movie over and over again, I'm going to stop watching your movies. I just, mm -hmm. I'm not interested. Be creative, do something new, do something different. Early on, just being a superhero movie felt like it was that. But then they were also fairly creative with their storylines and how they went about even filming. It just feels like now it's like they, they, they bring in, you know, a, t a team of folks and they put them through questions to make sure that they make this movie exactly the way that's going to have the perfect appeal. And it loses its heart and it loses its energy. I think it's partly that as well. I mean, well, clearly you have some thoughts on this. No, I, I think you're right. I think it is formulaic. And I think leaning into the weirdness uh, mm -hmm. of some of it, which is something that admittedly James Gunn, who's taking over the studio yeah. uh, with Peter Safran, is very good, good at. at. And mm -hmm. so I'm hoping that that brings some new energy into like superhero franchises because I know that I don't want to see fewer superheroes movies being made. I just want to Me see too. them being better and more yes, interesting movies. Please. Yeah. Uh, so next week, we're not going to talk about a superhero movie. No. We're going to talk about uh, a different movie, John Wick Chapter 4. Have you gotten into the John Wick movies? I tell that? you, uh, I have not gotten into any of the John Wicks. Part of it is just my personal problem. I've seen two movies that I thought King Reeves was good in. He's a great person. Like, I have such a respect for him as a person. Uh, he's an uh -huh. amazing guy. Um, I've just never been able to get into his acting, and that's just my issue because I know lots of people who absolutely love him. So John Wick's just been one of those that never really got 
on my radar enough to pay attention to. So this is going to be interesting for me because I know I think you're kind of a fan, right? I, I'm a I'm a John Wick fan. I, yeah. I'm a Keanu Reeves fan, and I'm a John Wick fan. I've seen the other three chapters, and uh, I think there's a lot here to unpack, especially nice. about revenge, retaliation, and what happens when you kill John Wick's dog. It's not a good thing, Mark. Okay. I can't wait to find out. I just going to warn you. Don't don't mess with John Wick's dog. Okay. So next time we'll talk about John Wick Chapter 4. And uh, we can't wait to see you until next time on the Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus.